Hello, 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 and welcome to the Pan Fried Quarterly Slush Pile. Um, it's so good to be about to do this. What is this? This is an editorial meeting that we record so that you, dear listeners, peeps of our hearts, can listen along. And um, as always, if you would like to read the poems along with us, please go to our website, pbqmag.org, and um, check it out or read it afterwards, whatever you would like to do. Um, but I keep saying we, 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 and let me start with me because that's how I, how I roll. Um, so I'm Kathleen Volkmiller, and I'm the one who always yells about um, not knowing when these will be released, but I will tell our audience that this is March 1st, so uh, 2021. A year ago today, I woke up from a text from Marion saying I can't go to Texas. Oh, a year ago today. Oh, oh. yep. I and remember. I, yep, and I was going to AWP early, uh, visiting your friend in Dallas before I went down to San Antonio, and oh. I had no idea what to do. I like my ba literally bags were packed. I'm ready to go, and I get a message from Marion saying I can't go. And it was, you know, in, in olden times, March 1, I was one of the dumb Americans who was like, what, what flu, what? Oh, that's in China. Oh, that's not here. You know, that's not us. And- um, Well, and there was that whole thing in San Antonio where the people who were supposed to quarantine hadn't quarantined or they'd been, it's not that they were supposed to quarantine, but like they were released from quarantine. Like they didn't do anything wrong. They were told yeah. Yeah, they were fine, but they weren't fine. And then right. they went to a food court a food and it turned court out not to be a super spreader event. The best place to go. Yeah. But, it could but anyway, been. yeah. So what we're talking about is AWP. So Jason and I were uh, about half the population went and uh, Jason and I were both there. Um, but anyway, it was a year ago today, March 1. And um, listeners, just keep on rolling with it because we will talk about where everybody is. I am in my office for the first time. Um, so I went to Texas for a week and then came back and we had a week of classes and then, and then the world shut down. So it's almost, it's a week to the year, right? One week shy of a year of being here in my, I picked this color. This is kind of interesting too. When I first got this office, I picked this color and it's called transcendent blue. And that's why I chose it, you know, because all the blues, you know how those color cards are, everything looks so similar. You're like, eh, 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 what's the real difference? And I said, I'm picking it by the name. So I'm in my transcendent blue cinder block windowless office. And, and slushies, it's a kind of sky blue. It's a kind <laughs> of um, gentle, not oh, turquoise, but, but uh, you know, you like the sky like blue a, is all I can think of. On a rich summer day, though, it's not light. Yeah, it, it's not like an Eve Kine blue. It's not like um, it's it's not like a deeply. If you were a Russian speaker, you would recognize it clearly as Galoboy, and not as Sini. Well, um, I'm getting ready for my my Fulbright. So how about this? Online. How about this? It's transcendent blue. Transcendent <laughs> blue. As long as we are in a purely oral medium, a u r a l. Well, I'm really glad that you and I are talking because I'm going to bounce it to you and you're making me think I have to take a pic of this historic moment. There's some historic things happening right now. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I'm Kathleen and I'm bouncing it to Jason. Hi, Jason. Hi. Uh, hi. hi. I am Jason Schneiderman. I am in Brooklyn um, at my mother's secretary um, writing desk, glamorous mid-century construction. Um, and what is there to say? I'm on sabbatical. I'm working on like 17 different projects, none of which seem to be getting finished and I better get them done really soon. And, um, yeah, I, I would have been, if, if not for COVID, if we're talking about like things that have happened because of COVID, I would currently be in St. Petersburg. Um, I have a Fulbright that for the first time in the history of Fulbrights was postponed. And you don't um, mean Florida. What? No, no, no. St. Petersburg, Russia. Yeah, it right. would have been in. Um, it, I would have. I would have been surrounded by much more snow. Um, but yes, but that's where I am, and I'm gonna bounce it to Marion. You don't mean Florida. I don't mean Florida. 
So, and I, I say that in a cranky voice because you also had a gorgeous Florida writing retreat I in the mid 20s, as I recall. I um, and one of my favorites was like the shot of the soaking tub and the view from the soaking tub at your. Yeah. I, yes, I, I get to go back one more time. I will be at the Hermitage. Um, it's called the Hermitage. I know also like my whole Russian connection, right? Um, that uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll be back there one more time and you'll get lots more um, sunsets, bathtub shots, and um, lightning storms. Um, so I thought you were gonna close that loop and say the transcendent blue of the Florida sea. Well, I actually gave a reading at the Hermitage that would, and the theme was transcendence. Oh, They lovely. actually had a transcendence themed reading that I- Every single person has to figure out a way to work transcendence in. Well, I'm transcending time zones, ha ha ha. So I'm back, <laughs> back in Abu Dhabi um, and I'm extricating myself from the wormhole that Kathy just created thinking that it's been a year since um, canceling the AWP trip. Um, and if, you know, this won't be out in time but AWP is online this year and that's gonna be a big adventure. Um, so I don't, I don't know if anybody else on, on the call is planning to try to go. Like I, I'm so overwhelmed by how to, how to go, <laughs> right, to AWP, but I think I'm going to try. Um, and the, the I in that try is Marion. Hi, it's Marion. Lovely to see you all on this call. Um, and yay peeps and slushies and, and here we go. I'm going to bounce it to um, my dear friend and colleague who's also in my tag zone for the moment, Samantha. Hi everyone, um, I am called Samantha. I'm in Dubai. I also call myself Samantha. I am um, in Dubai right now, but I'm currently a student and instructor at Johns Hopkins. So I'm kind of living like a vampire for the month um, while I teach and go to class in the wee hours. So, um, but I'm happy to be here with all of you right now. And I'm going to pass it to Alex. Hello, I'm Alex Tunney. Um, I'm on Long Island. I don't know if I'm doing the accent or not. Decided against it as I was saying it. <laughs> and, uh, as long as we're working transcendence in, into this, I like there's a Greek place that just opened up and it's transcendent. Oh my God. But <laughs> that's where I'm going with that. So. All right. And Moussaka was great. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, I'm so, so, so happy that we're here and about to do this. And there's one more historic moment that we must acknowledge, and that is um, the intrepid Joe Zhang is no longer working with us. He's moved on to Florida. We're just going to keep uh, making all kinds of connections. And it's the sunsets. People go for the sunsets. <laughs> instead, we are so lucky, so honored to have uh, Larissa Morgano. Welcome, Larissa. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. I hope I'm not echoing. <laughs> no, you sound great. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thank you for being here so much. Um, I'll be so, the fly on the wall for this episode. Okay. All right. All right. That makes sense. And um, we're about to go. And I'm sure that uh, Max Lasky knows that it's him we're talking about by now. And uh, has been waiting patiently through all of this. We have two transcendent poems by Max Lasky. And um, I think without further ado, we shall read and discuss. All right. So I think I've been voluntold. I think you've been voluntold. We'll I'm tell gonna jump right in. We'll tell them uh, great reason. Come here. We read Hikmet during what she called a picnic, though we brought no wicker basket, no plaid blanket, we rolled our jeans up under our knees to wade across the river, wide and knee high, the entire riverbed bedded with sharp rocks covered in moss, slick enough beneath our bare feet to make us walk slow, half cautious, as a group of five men fly fishing spoke Spanish, reeling in fish too small to keep, taking swigs from warm beer cans at the shore when they turned bored wanting us to leave. We stayed, as did the birds pitching in a nearby thicket, almost inaudible near the pop blaring from a portable speaker and a quiet drone flew high above the water, which is to say nature's no more, at least not there in Catonsville, Maryland, mid-August, 
where the pataps go flowing toward the Chesapeake could double as the sound of traffic passing on a highway. All the plastic, all the tin cans and wrappers littered across the rocks, the sand, and yet hopeless is not something to be. Not for me, or Hikmet, or my love, who smirks when I say a new Turkish word correctly. My love, what are we to do? We lounged on that ripped towel smoking when we should have scoured the shoreline picking up trash. In masks, because of a pandemic, not one person walking past on the trail looked us in the eye or said, hi, how are you? I lose a little hope. I hope a little less and learn a new language or try. I learn how the river was commandeered from Native American tribes by dead men, white men, who wanted to fuel their new plants and mills. Men who never imagined the future here, hundreds of years later, or else just didn't care. Not for us, or the two women who walked hand in hand, a leashed dog barking at their feet. Not the men who spoke Spanish and looked at me confused when I asked, what kind of fish is that? I already knew it was a trout. I already knew Hikmet was a communist who loved Marx and Lenin and each of his three wives. Some of us strive to better the world. Some strive to better ourselves and the striving sometimes transcends joy. Hikmet tried both not long ago when he wrote, my strength is that I'm not alone in this big world. The world and its people are no secret in my heart, no mystery in my science. Calmly and openly, I took my place in the great struggle. I turned to face a warm wind that laced my face with sand, for the future's ever-changing, before it even happens. Come here and change me, you whose tongue on my tongue tastes of Turkish tobacco and sun, you who say the unsayable. Come here, Ashkim, lend me your hope. Teach me how to grin again after two decades of elegy and a broken language rife with misogyny and cod. We took Nazim to the water's edge and read the translations energetically, sweating as the park closed and the sun lowered. And for a few moments, it seemed as if it was just us three and the river carving through the earth like the blood through our veins. I learned a new word landscape. Great reading, Jason. Really great reading. Wow. And now I had a good mouthfeel. It, yeah. it was really nicely paced. It was it was actually really, really a pleasure to read out loud. Yeah. I and I can I can see it immediately, right? Like we read Hikmet during what she called a picnic though we brought no wicker basket, no plaid blanket, right? There's something so like precise and yet um, commonplace about the words being placed almost like this mosaic, right? Of um... Yeah, and all of the strands kind of flow back over each other really nicely. Like a lot of time when you have that many balls in the air, the Spanish speaking fishers and history and Hikmet's communism and engagement with global struggle for communism and being in love with someone new and wading in a river and the pandemic and, you know, like there's, there's so many things going on and it felt so effortless and smooth like as kind of things came back up um there was nothing forced there was nothing kind of rigid there was nothing sort of like oh i have to get back to this now like it felt so um smooth like it just it just felt so natural and yet like you said like it's almost like this spiraling right this this sort of so if I'm if I look at the place just after the Catonsville, Maryland, mid-August, where the Patapsco flowing towards the Chesapeake <laughs> could double as the sound of traffic passing on a highway, all the plastic, all the tin cans and the wrappers, right? There's something about that sort of like, I'm gonna use a word that you've turned me on to recently, a kind of helix, 
but this is almost like a gyre, right? There's a kind of spiral yeah. at the center that holds all of these pieces together. But that particular yes. moment almost feels cinematic in the way it's sort of like you're on the riverbed, but it's spiraling up and out and then back down into this sort of like just the, the, the luck, right? Of the speaker, the lover and Hickman, right? And all that trash, right? And all those people looking the other way and fishermen bored at their presence, right? It's um, kind of ethereal and strange. And really careful, like really careful in the way that's paced. Well, there, there are a lot of things that could go really wrong here. Um, <laughs> like just sort of thinking about, you know, how um, uh, sensitive um, and how kind of careful and how attentive we've become to various kinds of um, language and harm and representation. Um, and I think this does a really amazing job. Like there are so many places it could go wrong mm -hmm. and it just feels so um controlled and natural and and well it feels really well inhabited like mm -hmm. nothing feels like it's being made to be something that it's not mm -hmm. nothing feels that it's being forced to kind of do a service um for the poet's experience mm -hmm. that is not what it is and i think that's really i i give props i give props I think one of the reasons for that, at least when I think about some of these topics um, that are, you know, like hot topics right now, is there's that tendency um, for folks to like preemptively like say like the place that they're writing from and like why they are or are not like an authority on it or why they are or are not like privileged in some way to talk about this or not talk about this. And like, because there is none of that, it just feels like you get to like be in this narrator's head, like in this really natural way. Um, and I also really like how um, the narrator's like trying to have Hickman's like ideas, like be part of his, his like I understanding of the world, which I think is, is just really lovely too. And I, I know this landscape. Um, I am a military brat, but I also spent a fair amount of time in Maryland. Um, and being familiar with the Patapsco River, being familiar with the Chesapeake Bay, there is something um, welcoming about it. Like just being familiar with it and kind of knowing that landscape, there is a, I, I do have a sense of resonance, even the, the, the sense of kind of like, yes, <laughs> that's what it's like. And I, and I, but I, I love then this, this sort of the place where it lands then is like, I learned a new word for landscape, right? And, you know, that's working in so many ways. Like it's working at the level of the Turkish, like the, he's learning Turkish words, right? But also learning this landscape in the pandemic, right? The sort of new, the new modes of interacting with strangers and, and that it just feels like it, it um, ties all those things together in a kind of, um, spacious way that doesn't feel too on the nose either right that's another way that stuff like this can go wrong like when you're juggling that many balls at once it's like you know jazz hands at the end and that's and the poet doesn't go there right i i feel like it's a, a beautifully constructed essay ah yeah i mean honest to god the yeah. the the art with which he's talking about the pandemic makes me think you know um, my goodness like almost every line could be read through that lens but it yeah. yet it's not hitting you over the head you know he's quoting Hickman my strength is that I'm not alone in this big world this is all anyone's been talking about right mm -hmm. that during mm -hmm. the pandemic more than ever we had to make an effort to connect with others yeah right and I see that effort in him asking the fisherman what kind of fish it was just to engage with, with other humans in this moment, right? Um, yeah, it's just, it's, um, the craft here is brilliant. Um, so Kath, let's, let's talk about that though too. Like so much about this podcast is about saying how a poem works, right? Um, and we want the slushies to feel like they're on the, the backstage and hearing how editors talk about stuff like this, but that's another way the poem can go wrong, right? Like if a poem 
feels like a different genre, but not in a good way, right? Like if a poem feels like a short story, right? Or if it feels like an essay, sometimes that's a criticism, but in this case, it's not, right? Like it's- I mean, it's, the opposite. I mean, it does as much work as an essay does in, yeah, in, in braiding together all of these ideas and yet staying so focused. Yeah, because I, when I, I'm reading for PBQ, that's always something I have in the back of my mind. Like, why'd you choose this a medium of writing instead of, like, an essay over a poem? Um, and, like, I'm trying to think of why this works as a poem. And, it, it, like, so much of the sound, I feel like, is what makes, like, made poetry the format, the writer possibly chose there's that concern with like yeah it, it's very plain spoken but at the same time like the language choice is still very you can see that care was taken to like well, when, I, when i read it um i was very aware of how well the syntax was shaped to the line that these lines are the line endings are not at all arbitrary um, if you're reading through the poem, and it, it's a fairly long line, um, but just, you know, where the Patapsco flowing toward the Chesapeake could double as the sound of traffic passing on a highway, all the plastic, all the tin cans. Like you can really hear like the sound work there is really very much shaped to the line. And we often kind of throw around the word lyric, right? Like lyric gets put in front of any lyric essay, lyric, you know, it's, it's sort of like American, you put it in front of something so you can do something different. You know, like I'm just doing something that's not the same, but I'll just, I'll, it's lyric, it's fine. Um, but I do think there's a, there's a really strong attention to the sound and syntax and that the line paces the poem and parses the poem in a way that is really an important structuring device. And so like the work of the essay is being done, but the tools of the poem being used right. well said beautiful right the images too my goodness you know they, they i guess i also think that genre distinctions are breaking down i think that the genre distinctions that we've that we as people over 35 um which i say generously <laughs> uh, that we as people over 35 um were raised with these kind of really really strong distinctions that were kind of a um consequence of modernism and a very modernist way of thinking about art, um, that they're really breaking down and that you're seeing more and more people kind of work in a multiplicity of genres, sometimes kind of trying to blur those into each other, sometimes kind of trying to attack um, what each of those genres can do, and sometimes just not feeling constrained. Um, Rachel Zucker on her podcast was talking about how, you know, in the early 2000s, if you were a poet doing things other than poetry, like there's a certain kind of shame attached to it, that it was sort of like you were betraying um, the poets by being out of your genre and that that was kind of like a, a, a writerly experience. And it's just not that way anymore. And Max Lasky is taking advantage of that latitude. Jason. <laughs> um, yeah. Could, could we trouble you to maybe read it once more and then we'll vote? Sure, sure. Can I, can I tell you something weird about my accent? Of course. So you know that I've, I've lived in a lot of, I mean, I had a very, very heavy British accent when I was um, a child, when I was like six. Yeah. Um, I had lived in England basically my entire speaking. I was born in Texas, but then I lived in England and I had this very, very strong British accent. And like, I was cast in the school play as Paul Revere and I didn't get the joke. So like I ran down the aisle shouting the British are coming with a very, very heavy British accent and had no idea why everyone was laughing. And then we moved. <laughs> from California. So I have all these different, you know, things, but the pieces that attach are really confusing. And the only thing that I have from Maryland is the long O sound. And it only happens um, if I'm not paying attention. And mm -hmm. um, so if I say, like, if I answer the phone or if <laughs> I need envelopes, um, it's just in this one little piece that that comes out if I don't watch it. So I don't know. There's whenever I whenever I read something about Maryland, in the same way that like Philly has like a very specific accent that like you don't use when you're in certain spaces, but you do use when you're in certain spaces. For me, it's not really code switching because I was never in those spaces. It's just this one piece that like anchored in this like weird thing that I then try to control. Okay. Um, 
but I, I will try to keep my O's. Yeah, we, we, we usually never pre-pick who's going to read, but before we started the show today, uh, Slushies, we um, asked Jason to read this one because of all the Maryland words. <laughs> Which is, is really a shame was not here for that because he, he would relish that, that. You'll have me and my Philly, Philly hoagie mouth. <laughs> That's what we call it. That's my favorite episode of, of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is where they play the game and, and for some reason they have to do the Philly accent for the rest of the episode. <laughs> okay. The title of this episode is going to be Larissa's Philly Hoagie Mouth. <laughs> oh, wait, but Larissa, before we go, what, what does your mug say? Your mug says something really cool and I can't see it. It says, can, can you not? Can you not? <laughs> it's not, I'm not giving you subliminal metal messages. I, it's just my favorite, favorite mug because it's giant and holds a lot of coffee. <laughs> All right, without further ado, I will read the poem a second time. Come here. We read Hikmet during what she called a picnic. Though we brought no wicker basket, no plaid blanket, we rolled our jeans up under our knees to wade across the river, wide and knee high, the entire riverbed bedded with sharp rocks covered in moss, slick enough beneath our bare feet to make us walk slow half cautious, as a group of five men fly fishing, spoke Spanish, reeling in fish too small to keep, taking swigs from warm beer cans at the shore when they turned bored, wanting us to leave. We stayed, as did the birds, pitching in a nearby thicket, almost inaudible, near the pop blaring from a portable speaker and a quiet drone flew high above the water, which is to say, nature's no more at least not there, in Catonsville, Maryland, mid-August, where the Patapsco flowing toward the Chesapeake could double as the sound of traffic passing on a highway. All the plastic, all the tin cans and wrappers littered across the rocks, the sand, and yet hopeless is not something to be. Not for me or Hikmet or my love, who smirks when I say a new Turkish word correctly. My love, what are we to do? We lounged on that rip towel, smoking, and we should have scoured the shoreline, picking up trash. In masks, because of a pandemic, not one person walking past on the trail looked us in the eye or said, hi, how are you? I lose a little hope. I hope a little less and learn a new language or try. I learned how the river was commandeered from Native American tribes by dead men, white men, who wanted to fuel their new plants and mills, men who never imagined the future here, hundreds of years later, or else just didn't care. Not for us, or the two women who walked hand in hand, a leash dog barking at their feet, not the men who spoke in Spanish and looked at me confused when I asked, what kind of fish is that? I already knew it was a trout. I already knew Hikmet was a communist who loved Marx and Lenin and each of his three wives. Some of us strive to better the world. Some strive to better ourselves and the striving sometimes transcends joy. Hikmet tried both not long ago when he wrote, my strength is that I'm not alone in this big world. The world and its people are no secret in my heart, no mystery in my science. Calmly and openly, I took my place in the great struggle. I turned to face a warm wind that laced my face with sand for the future's ever-changing before it even happens. Come here and change me, you whose tongue on my tongue tastes of Turkish tobacco at sun, you who say the unsayable. Come here, Ashkim, lend me your hope. Teach me how to grin again after two decades of elegy and a broken language rife with misogyny and God. We took Nazim to the water's edge and read the translations energetically, sweating as the park closed and the sun lowered. And for a few moments, it seemed as if it was just us three and the river carving through the earth, like the blood through our veins. I learned a new word for landscape. Such a great reading. And thank you so much. And did you guys catch it this time? The word transcends is in there. Yeah. I missed it the first time. <clears throat> so are we ready? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. 
Let's do it. One, two, three, go. And the thumbs are up. It's unanimous. Woohoo! Woo! So much, Max Lasky. I know that, boy, you waited a long time for those thumbs. And there they are. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, and now we have one more. Uh, also a longer poem. It's structure is different and Marion Wren is going to read that one for us. Right, Mayor? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Um, just one word about that last one too. On that second reading, like, boy, Max Lasky was playing with those doubles. It really is a well-crafted poem. I just want to say that. And it, it's just, thank you. And you know what, um, I second time too, I she engaged the whole world, like even before he used the words global and stuff, like, my goodness. My goodness, like tour de force. Tour de force, my goodness, oh my goodness. Okay, so this poem by Max Lasky um, is called Prothalamian Poured from a Copper Sesve. And a sesve is a Turkish coffee um, pot thing that you would put on the stove if you were making Turkish coffee. For those of you who like Turkish coffee, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, Zuleha read my fortune in the dried coffee grinds and tossed the saucer toward the future. Its arc across left a chemtrail renting the sky. And I didn't ask why. I didn't point it out or make a scene about the vision I'd been led to believe as if with a shovel in a lame novel, as if my ears were a septic chute that accepted every story, no matter how far from true. I didn't mention my nomad past or how my brains forced from place to place in caravans, canal boats, tents reeking of frankincense, pine, or how that's just another story I'd been fed with the shovel. I realized somewhat early on in this life that most people are eager to live their lives like stars beyond a projector, a drive-in, seemingly unaware of the dark screen and willing to wrong anyone if it means someone lifts the loose noose from their own bowed necks. They almost sprint down the steps. I crawl up the steps to every bad decision I've let happen, happy to say I've changed, took notes on each mistake, and if I ever turned back, I was sure to take a different path. When I go home to the house I grew up in, it's not to stay. As for the story, Neither one of us could say if it was imagined. I wake some mornings to find signs that don't make sense, suspicious of my own breath and the sunlight through the slats because the world's senseless and nonsensical and tense. A paranoiac and a high priestess make for one hell of a couple. Our studio is more like a circus. We're trapeze swingers swooping from corner to corner, blowing clown horns as we paint our faces in a shattered mirror. Our strict schedule requires us to weep all day and dance at night, saying, I'm so fucking lucky I met you. I'm so fucking lucky. I write, rejoice. I digress. I paint two red lines under each of our eyes and step in line, waiting stone-like. I'm well aware it could be me, paranoid and schizophrenic, on the side of the street, paranoid past repair, not knowing where the self ends and society begins. It could easily be me if not for five or six good people. As for the lover, I'm damn sure. I put a palm around her finger because I couldn't afford a ring, which means I'm always already all in. I push the stack of chips to the center of the table. I grin. Well done. Hey, Hey Max Lasky. Hey Max Lasky. What you doing here? Yes. Speaking of tight uh, circus, like I guess Max Lasky is a bit of a tightrope walker with the poetry. Just like it's like the in a lesser hands, like stuff wouldn't work. Like love poems are hard to write because they're really only meant for one person sometimes. <laughs> but like this, it's like okay, I'm in the world, and then I. It's about like a journey, uh, like his, the understanding of himself and how his lover or the author's, the, the, I, the for how we speak about poetry, but you know what I mean. Just like, it's not like if I was in that person's shoes, I love this poem, but I also like the poem 
even as I'm not that person, which is hard. Like sometimes you lose sight of that. It's a poem about a bunch of different stuff and also this. Yeah, I mean, I think, Alex, what I hear you saying, too, is there's something about the address here. It's both like this like specific love song, right? But it, then it's like also prothalamian, like the sort of marriage song, right? Celebrating the ritual, right, of, of the marriage, of the love, right? And, and also one of the wildest rides. I love this image of a tightrope. I think you're absolutely on point with that. There's like between the, the the reading of the coffee grinds to the to the sort of like mad like magic predictions in in within this um, celebratory song is pretty kind of funky. I'm just wanting to to linger in almost every line, at least every third line. I want to just stay and read again, and, you know, and quote them all to you right now. <laughs> but there's too much there's too much that's I was going to say something small that I like about this poem and the last one which is also a love poem in ways too is is that I don't feel like the love has an age bracket around it like I feel sometimes I read love poems and I can tell like oh this is a first love or oh they're like this is like from kind of like older souls but this both these poems, and especially this one, I, I can't really guess the narrator or the beloved's age, and I, I really like that. Yeah, I didn't really think about that, but that's a true point. Yeah, it does have that sort of timeless quality to it as well, right? Like, but I like the way you frame that, Samantha. It's not like sort of pegged to a particular kind of, even though the prothalamian, it's meant to be like marriage poem, right? Like that's, a, it, it's the genre specific, but the feeling is spacious, you know? And the thing I have to say, like the, 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 ple like the pleasure of reading this is also a little tricky because the, the sound play on these lines, mm -hmm. right? Like chemtrail renting sky, and I didn't ask why, <laughs> right? Um, it's it he th that kind of shovel novel right uh, bounces bounces down these couplets the whole way it's it's so it's sort of like pinball like how he's playing with with sounds right um, and I mean and the couplets are just absolutely this has to be done that way because of the rhyme because of all these short little phrases he does as well um, and I just found a little moment. And also, I love um, the always already. I'm always already all in. Like if you've studied critical theory, like this always already is this, it's this tick of um, critical theory. You know, something is always already, and it's really just a translation of like the French a partir de, like from the start of, um, or from the inception. But like this always already is is, is very. It, I, I found it very funny in a love poem, because it's this little marker of um, critical theory for something that's, because you, you only use it for something that's already wrong, right? Like from the moment it was always already wrong, um, but here it's right, that I was I was always already all in, love that. I, I think there is other moments of humor, you know, very light humor, very gentle humor, but humor, but as if with a shovel in a lame novel, as if my ears were a septic chute that accepted every story no matter how far from true, right? I, I'm definitely smiling a lot through this. Yeah. Um, yeah. I rejoice, I digress, I paint two red lines under each of our eyes. I wanna read it aloud too, you know? It's, it just looks like it'll be so fun. That's really rewarding. There's a lot of attention to the sound work. And wait, can we pause for a moment? That doesn't often happen in a poetry meeting and an editorial meeting, right? Like that one of the people on the call actually talk about that craving to read a poem out loud, right? So slushies, if you're listening, that's, that's new. <laughs> but what a sign for excellence or, you know, like a, a mark of approval that you want to read it. Oh, absolutely. My brain was already thinking, what class can I read this in? What excuse do I have to read this poem? <laughs> I barely don't want to read 
read it to myself either. I want to read it. I want many people to hear it. I'll figure out something. So uh, as usual, slash cheese, if you're new here, uh, when we go quiet, that's the sound of thinking. <laughs> uh, maybe you're already reading along on our website and at pbqmag.org. And, uh, you know, pause, go pause, go read it aloud and come back before the vote. You get the control when we're talking or not. That's the fun thing about talking. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> I'm teaching a writing in the brain. And one of my students said that she listened, she listened to the podcast that I had assigned them at one and a half times speed. And I was like, darling, dear, darling, dear. Can you not relax long enough to listen to a podcast? Right? That was yeah. fascinating to me, really. You know? Anyway. Anyway, speaking of voting, speaking of reading it again, speaking of any of these things, how are we all feeling? I mean, I can just keep talking about it, but. We'll talk about it a little longer and then. And talk then about it a little longer. When did you fall in love with this poem, Jason? I can talk about <laughs> I, I. When did I fall in love with a poem? Um, very early on. Um, went to chemtrail renting the sky and I didn't ask why. I didn't point it out or make a scene about the vision I'd been led to believe as if the shovel in a lame novel, as if my ears were a septic chute that accepted every story, no matter how far from true. Um, the way that that, um, rhyme sets you up for this much longer sentence. So it goes from a, a fairly short syntactical unit to a fairly long syntactical unit while kind of retaining the same couplet structure and carrying you through the sound, but then going from a very kind of um, staccato thought unit to a really expanded thought unit and then kind of bring in all of these things. And actually I was, I, mean, I was a little like, oh, chemtrails? Like, do we need to go there? And then um, yeah, <laughs> like after a while, I was like, yeah, I, I, I like that. Um, and the way that this has a kind of, um, like a, like one way it might be just called like a kind of stickiness where like sort of everything from the surrounding, um, culture is sort of like getting stuck to it, but also a kind of, um, capaciousness that, that sort of like all of these really annoying, things that we live with and all these sort of like really terrifying structures that we've kind of become so aware of um, make it into the poem that that the marriage happens within a context that that this is going to start small and grow while retaining the same structure I thought was that's that's where I found and it's so interesting to me that you use that word sticky in the way you did right so as if the the, the poem itself is um, causing references to adhere to it, right? right? And I actually thought the stickiness was the, the way the sounds and the line breaks and those couplets work on the reader. Like it, it's, it feels like that's, I'm stuck to it. Like everywhere my eye lands, right? Like, I, and particularly here, right? I crawl up the steps to every bad decision I've, I've let happen. Happy to say I've changed, took notes on each mistake. And if I ever turned back, I was sure to take a different path. That's like half of Zen koan, right? And also just ballsy. <laughs> I crawl up the steps to every bad decision I've ever made. So it's like, as if you're walking to like the hangman's noose and at the same time owning your shit, <laughs> right? And, and Marion, I was gonna quote that same section for this reason. I, I just am fascinated by how tight, how tightly and how well Everything has a twin, everything has a parallel. He's just playing so much with these doubles. You know, before, um, before the I crawl up the steps is they almost sprint down the steps, mm -hmm. right? Everything is this and that, this and that. I realized somewhat early on in this early life that most people are eager to live their lives like stars beyond a projector. Hmm. 
Okay. Right. And can you feel that? There's something, again, that's this short staccato line, but it nonetheless like draws you out. Like it, again, it's with, it's that, that thing that Jason was talking about, the kind of spaciousness is even in the line. Like it feels tight, tight, tightly constructed and yet pulls you line to line, stanza to stanza. You get, you get stretched across the thing in a, in a pretty masterful way. This is just magic, right? He uses some words twice, but not with, you know, a lot of consistency. It, and it just, it all just works. Right. And I, I get that's something to note too. Sometimes in lesser poems, you, the repetition of, of some of those sort of key terms or key words gets like more forced trauma. You get like punched in the face with that after a while and you can't read it anymore, right? It gets, you know, it hits a kind of tone of mediocrity, but that doesn't happen. Right. right? That's the magic. Or points to the magic. And oh wait, I know what we can still talk about. <laughs> I push the stack of chips to the center of the table. I grin. So good. Fuck yes. So good. Betting it all. All right. So what do you say? Can I read it again? Or Kathleen, do you want to read it? Do you want to try it? No, thank you, but you do it. You okay. All right, going in, going in. Ready? Mm -hmm. Prothalamian poured from a copper thesbe. Thesbe? Thesbe? I knew I was going to screw that up. Prothalamian poured from a copper thesbe. Zuleha read my fortune in the dried coffee grinds and tossed the saucer toward the future its arc across left a chemtrail renting the sky and I didn't ask why. I didn't point it out or make a scene about the vision I'd been led to believe as if with a shovel and a lame novel, as if my ears were a septic chute that accepted every story, no matter how far from true. I didn't mention my nomad past or how my brains forced from place to place in caravans, canal boats, tents reeking of frankincense, pine, or how that's just another story I've been fed with the shovel. I realized somewhat early on in this early life that most people are eager to live their lives like stars beyond a projector, a drive-in, seemingly unaware of a dark screen and willing to wrong anyone if it means someone lifts the loose, lifts the loose noose from their own bowed necks. They almost sprint down the steps. I crawl up the steps to every bad decision I've let happen, happy to say I've changed, took notes on each mistake, and if I ever turned back, I was sure to take a different path. When I go home to the house I grew up in, it is, it's not to stay. As for the story, neither one of us could say if it was imagined. I wake some mornings to find signs that don't make sense, suspicious of my own breath, and the sunlight through the slats because the world's senseless and nonsensical and tense. A paranoiac and a high priestess make for one hell of a couple. Our studio is more like a circus where trapeze swingers swooping from corner to corner, blowing clown horns as we paint our faces in a shattered mirror. Our strict schedule requires us to weep all day and dance at night saying, I'm so fucking lucky I met you. I'm so fucking lucky. I rejoice. I digress. I paint two red lines under each of our eyes and step in line, waiting stone-like. I'm well aware it could be me, paranoid and schizophrenic, on the side of the street, paranoid past repair, not knowing where the self ends and society begins. It could easily be me if not for five or six good people. As for the lover, I'm damn sure. I put a poem around her finger because I couldn't afford a ring, which means I'm always already all in. I push the stack of chips to the center of the table. I grin. Again. Honestly, that line about the five or six good people, man, it just reminds me of PDQ. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Saving my life yet again, PBQ, saving my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's gorgeous, gorgeous stuff. Love it. Yeah. 
Um, oh, wow, I'm revealing my vote. There there we go for dramatic tension. All right. What's going to happen? There's a lot of dramatic tension on this one. Suddenly, uh, the vote, and suddenly there's thumbs. <laughs> suddenly there's thumbs. It's Alice, so, I, actually, I have to say, Slushies, often we've done this with lots of people in, in one place, and so we can't throw thumbs because it's not everyone on screen. But now that we're all on screen because of the Zoom um, pandemic isolation, uh, we can go back to throwing thumbs, which is like one of our favorite. Like that's, it's weird how much I love the thumbs. I I really love throwing thumbs. It's true. Is that because you can do that tricky thing? I think you're gonna have to do. Oh, because I hitchhike or something. Yeah, I I have a double jointed thumb, so my my thumb bends back at a right angle, which I'm not really aware of until it's happening. It doesn't feel like anything. It just sort of happens. Do it again. I'm doing it on camera right now. Okay. Okay. All right, let us focus. Yeah. See that? Follow us on social. That'll be posted. Um, we got a vote. Yeah, we got a vote. I okay. I just was gonna say that. Wow, I'm so upset. I'm sorry. I thought you were wrapping up the show. Like the no, no, I was going to say that Alex and Sam had to leave. I'm just letting <laughs> Flushies know they're not gonna hear their voices anymore. But they left. <laughs> their votes before they <laughs> before they um parted so now take a deep breath <laughs> let's throw thumbs one two three vote and there's alex and there's him so and it's alex, so it's unanimous again thank you so much max lasky thank you so very much for sending to us and um, thank you, Slushies, for listening. Please let us know how we're doing. Thank you so much to Larissa for joining the team. And um, I, I guess that really is it. We're wrapping up. Yep, everybody's good. Am I? Can Everyone's I say good. bye now? Now you can. Now I can. But I'll yell at you because I miss you. Don't go. <laughs> it's so nice to be here with you. I miss you guys so much. Yeah. Well, we'll just we'll just stop the recording and chat one more second. I, I I I keep thinking about how like I, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to extra when I'm in Russia I, I plan to be sort of extricated from everything, um, and I also have to write this like I have to write eight lectures. Um, are we so are we still on? Are we? Wait, we're, now we're not recording. Now we're gonna go goodbye. We'll okay, we're doing goodbye now, right? Okay. We'll figure out if Jason can still be on the podcast. All right. So uh, keep reading. Bye. Thank you. Bye.